0: This the bill really fits well with the overall ribbon society's uh, vision of how government should do. They, they, Jim gave us a quote from Eisenhower, uh, only, what, 70 plus years ago, almost. Um, and not a whole lot's changed in terms of the overall tenor and tone. Um, production and agriculture's got this weird relationship with the American people. Uh, you and I as consumers who eat every day uh, are obviously dependent on that. And uh, the producers are dependent on, on a great agricultural policy. And in general, there's a lot of mystery, a mystique, a romance about farming that, for the uninitiated, the folks who want to grown up in cities, you know, the plowing, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, until it comes to trying to put policy in place, yeah, you've all seen that uh, Paul Harvey uh, video about the farmer who's not crying by the time you see that dirt sort of thing, and yet we can't convert that kind of. Of empathy for the people who work so hard every single day to feed us into good policy. And we've got, uh, we've got guys who would unwind it completely. We had one of the amendments made in order on purpose uh, was McClintock's uh, amendment to unwind the policy entirely. Uh, we beat him 10 to 1 uh, on that deal. It's surprising that they got 34 votes, but it just goes to show you that there are folks out there that just way off the reservation when it comes to what happened. This breakfast this morning costs less than anywhere else in the world. And the reason for that is, that one, they do a good job buying, but no, uh, the uh, production agriculture does produce for the American consumers the most affordable food supply of any developed nation in the world. It's their hard work, their risk-taking, their uh, uh, reliance on credit and everything else, but also a safety net that we need to keep in place that keeps them in, in place during these hard times. Who in here has suffered a 50% drop in net income in the last five years? Every farmer out there has. Well, not everyone, but most of them. 50% drop in their farm income. He's a cattle guy, so he's had he's been living it. Uh, <laughs> there are hard times for production agriculture air right now. When Frank did the bill at 14, uh, times were good. They could yields, good raise, uh, pro- commodity prices were really good. Immediately after he got his deal signed, commodity prices tanked. I don't know if there's any cause and effect there, but... LAUGHTER <laughs> Quite frankly, they've been down for five years, and there's no prospect that they're going up. So we've got to have good agriculture policy in place in order to make sure that, that the national security aspects of us being able to feed ourselves, the, uh, the good, hardworking men out there, and rural America, quite frankly, is where those core values that have sustained, built, and, and sustained this country are insane key. They're lost in the big cities, and occasionally every once in a while emerge, you know, a bit of an outbreak like an Ebola outbreak. Uh, someplace in that big city, but the core values that this country is, is founded on are only in safekeeping in rural America. We've got to keep rural America vibrant, and by extension, we've got to have a good production agriculture industry, profitable uh, industry, in order to uh, to make that happen. I was looking at some of the, the things that you guys talk about in your objectives. strengthen the American family, protect safety and future of our children. Uh, GT's going to talk about that a little bit, what we're doing to try to, uh, and what Jim, uh, 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 Kevin Brady started yesterday afternoon in Ways and Means. That's what we're trying to. That's what our the nutrition title is about. Is helping people uh, get back on their own feet, uh, making their own money, making their own decisions, taking care of their own families, and then contributing back to public assistance for other people. So, again, this bill fits right in with that core value. You have. Promote achieve an innovative and effective educational system. Uh, the uh, land grant schools, extension service, is the envy of the entire world. Any place you go in the world, and you, if you try to talk to folks about how you communicate. Particularly on the education sector act, there's no place that doesn't look to our system to say, Man, I wish we could replicate that. I wish we could have a, a school system like that. That, that uh, court and the, and the land grant schools where the, the, the work is done, and then it goes into every county uh, has uh, extension services folks that are out of that. Dip. So, good good linkage up there. Improve and protect the health and safety of the American people the natural environment in which we live. There's no better conservationist out there than the American Farm and Ranch. It's their land. They want to hand it off to that next generation of their family better than they got it. They're not interested in raping the pillaging in the land or, or screwing up the streams and waters and the air polluting it. That's not what they're about. They are trying to make money, and they're trying to do those other things to protect the environment in a rational kind of way, and, and sometimes our regulatory scheme uh, gets in the way of them being able to do the things that are best for hard uh, hardworking men and women. But our conservation title that Frank will talk a little bit about here in a second, Speaks to much of that issue that, uh, that you guys are concerned about. Uh, advanced participation in it, develop a sound and growing economy. Um, how many of you eat at least once a day? <laughs> there you go. We're not going to have a developing economy if we're not feeding each other uh, and making that happen. And that, that's the core value, the core scheme of what's about with, uh, production agriculture. And by the way, when you go to the grocery store and hit this restaurant, or whatever, you get a deal. Now, we don't know we get a deal because we love getting deals. We don't know it. And we don't know why. It's the American farmer ranchers, Those good, hard working men and women who, <coughs> by the way, a 20 hour work week, they think that's the second or third job their family's working in order to try right. to farm alive. So they are not particularly sympathetic about us forcing a 20 hour work week minimum on, on uh, folks who are getting public assistance. So, And then, assure a strong national defense. Uh, clearly, uh, food security uh, is a national defense issue because, of, uh, as Bush said, that feeds itself is more secure than one that, uh, that has to put it on imported foods for other places. So, we think our farm bill fits within your core scheme of what you're trying to get done uh, with the organization and look forward to your questions, look forward to your help. And,
1: uh, are you going to have your Okay,
0: yourself, right? Thanks. Look to your questions.
1: Next, we have the good fortune to hear from Congressman Lucas. Um, and I would say that in today's environment, you're probably the most sympathetic guy in the room, given your, your history with uh, farm bill shenanigans. So um, we're delighted to have you here and offer you the opportunity to make some
2: comments, please. Absolutely, thank you. And if I could make my comments from the chair, uh, the chairman did an outstanding job of laying out the lay of the land and the things that we face. If you bear with me for just a moment, let's think about how we got to this point. Uh, from the founding of the Republic uh, until the 1930s, federal farm policy primarily consisted of the Homestead Act of 1862, the Morrow Act of 1862, both signed into law by Mr. President Lincoln, which by the way created the first opportunity for free public education in the world uh, at a college level, the land-grant university system. We did the Ag Research Service in the late 1800s, the Farm Extension Service in 1914. Those were essentially the programs. Education, education, distribution of knowledge. The changes in agriculture in the world after the First World War, through the 20s and into the 30s, and in the great drought in the Southern Plains, led to an effort to create, for the first time in the late 20s, early 30s, a comprehensive farm bill to address all these various issues to bring them together. It took several failed efforts, and ultimately the 1933 Act was passed, the Agricultural Adjustment Act. Supreme Court, a few years later, threw it out because of the way it was funded. But essentially, from 1933, 1996, federal farm policy was all about supply management, supply control. The old efficiency payment system set a floor, which would barely keep you from starving, but the government from 33 to 1996 owned massive stocks of product. So if prices got too high, they opened the floodgates up and dumped the grain out, dumped the products out onto the market. So they set a lid, trapping farmers in this narrow band. 1996, the Republican Revolution, the first modern, Republic, first Republican farm bill, truly, called at the time the Freedom to Farm Act. We Stepped away from supply management, we stepped away from supply control. We basically said to farmers, farm what you want. And from 96 until 2014, we used something called the fixed annual payment or the market transition payment, providing a safety net so that producers could weather tough times and acknowledging that we needed to make the investment to always have a sufficient supply of food and fiber on hand, but getting away from federal management. By 2012, it became obvious that that was no longer politically sustainable, and that launched us into what took two and a half years that ultimately became the 2014 Farm Bill. Stepping away from federal supply controls, stepping away from the old fixed annual payments, and going to a concept of using insurance where a producer would decide how much coverage he or she wanted, whether for price, and then paying a premium for it in the assumption that if everything was perfect, just like I remind my wife about my life insurance policy, you're not getting anything out of that payment this year, dear, <laughs> but ultimately having a backstop there, I don't stand in crowds of Freedom Caucus people by myself, anyway. <laughs> in that direction but it took us two and a half years to accomplish that why because forces outside of agriculture outside of the ag committee played huge mischief with us the kind of mischief that chairman Conway is dealing with now but ultimately we passed the bill we moved forward and with prices now basically half what they were in 2014 there's stability and calm out in the countryside the safety net has worked But those programs begin to unravel at the end of September. If we don't write a new bill, extend a bill, if we don't take action, it begins to unravel. I would suggest to you that one of the biggest challenges, and I know in questions we'll get down into the nitty-gritty, one of the biggest problems my wonderful successor has faced is slightly different than the problem I faced. Because the assault in 12 and 13 and 14 was going at ag policy. Chairman Conaway is kind of a drive-by shooting. He's caught up politically. He's caught up in a situation where, in my opinion, for what that's worth, because of this struggle over immigration, our moderate friends are on the verge, they say, of successfully forcing a vote using a discharge petition. On the verge of is the key phrase. My very conservative friends are infuriated by that and trying to push back So they've reached out and grabbed the one bill that our Speaker has a legacy item in that's on the floor now. Speaker is very, very focused on the work and education requirements in SNAP, which is good policy. But our Freedom Caucus friends have figured out that's the Achilles heel to go after him. So once again, we're caught up in a struggle where the committee has done good work. In normal times, it would be a bill that would blow through with with ease, but because the Democrats realize that this is a very competitive November and they view work and education requirements as an issue more difficult for them to handle within their base than we Republicans. They won't support it. We're being jammed over other issues that aren't relevant to us, so it's gonna make for a a wild June the conservation title and forestry that I uh, have the honor and privilege of uh, chairing the subcommittee under Chairman Conaway, conservation programs. We're still going to continue the effort to aggressively protect the air, water quality, wildlife. There's some debate about how many acres of CRP land there should be uh, going on. Uh, We fold CSP uh, conservation program into EQIP wonderful thing about Chairman Conway's negotiations, I had $23 billion less to spend. The chairman managed to maneuver things so that he doesn't have any new money, but he doesn't have any cuts. Pretty good negotiator, boss. (laughs) That makes life simpler. So you see in conservation, a number of things reallocated to try and maximize the impact of the dollars that are available to us. Will we get this done? Well, As Mike noted very politely earlier, I kid him on a regular basis that on my schedule, he still has two years to go, so he's way ahead. It won't take two years. It may be just as painful. Uh, Chairman, you're gonna get her done. You're gonna get her done. And with that, I look forward to my fellow subcommittee chairman and your question shortly.
1: Thank you congressman lucas congressman thompson as both your colleagues have mentioned already um, the nutrition title is one of the trickier parts of the engagement that you have uh, been working on and certainly it's one of the important things for the food marketing institute i've had the opportunity to uh, testify a couple of times during the hearings and uh, appreciated the, the chance to share our perspectives uh talk to us a little bit if you would about how you've navigated that
3: sure will and thank you so much let me, serve, first of all, Frank, instead of a drive-by shooting, it was more like a muggy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just a handful of folks who normally aren't relevant, and they jumped right on. But we're going to fix that. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for the invitation to be here. It really is a uh, privilege, honor to be here, and to always uh, just uh, really appreciate the society and what just uh, your perspectives, your values, your support. I also appreciate these two gentlemen. I've had the opportunity to serve in the shadows of two great chairmen um, during my uh, 10 years on the Agriculture Committee. Uh, Started out uh, chairing the Conservation and Forestry. Uh, uh, Frank, uh, uh, Chairman Lucas, uh, just uh, really appreciated his confidence with that. And uh, I started out my first two years. I was pleased to do that, uh, serving a chairman It has got a place called No Trees, Texas. <laughs> <laughs> the chair of the forestry subcommittee was pretty impressive, just the fact that he acknowledged it, and he was a big supporter. And, and I was really honored uh, at the beginning of the last term um, um, a year and a half ago when he came to me and uh, asked me to serve as vice chair of the agriculture committee, which I thought was great, and then asked me to chair of the nutrition subcommittee. <laughs> At which point I just took a deep breath <laughs> uh, because uh, unfortunately we know that uh, you know the nutrition title has been a target I'll please say I don't think we had amendments at least none were uh, for the separation of uh, the nutrition title and I think that speaks to our success of the full committee and, and the work of the subcommittee of what we've done with with not just putting together great policy uh, but messaging and if there's if there's a, uh, a um, One single word that I would have to pick that that, that describes the 2018 Farm Bill, and it's not limited to the nutrition title, it's conservation, it's forestry, there's many other parts, it's transformational. You know, you can always, uh, I mean, I can't outspend some of my colleagues that I serve with, um, and that doesn't always, uh, the more money you spend doesn't mean you have effective policy, and sometimes it doesn't mean you're you're achieving outcomes at all. Uh, But to be transformational in terms of how we approach policy that's the true art of legislating, and that's what we've accomplished with this farm bill and in uh, the nutrition title uh, specifically that I want to uh, share a little bit with you uh, you know nutrition matters and farmers feed there's not a calorie that is delivered in terms of nutritional support for, for families and individuals who are experiencing food insecurity uh, that isn't grown by a farmer and a farm family someplace and so uh, uh, I, I tell people, I illustrate how important of, of my, this is my <coughs> values, this is my, my belief on, uh, on the nutrition title. I talk about how it's, it's been about a month and a half ago, I got a call by 11.30 at night uh, that my cousin's house was on fire. Now, unfortunately, we weren't home, like in this job, we're frequently not home. the so one place we're not very often, uh, we were on the job here. And uh, my cousin's uh, married to one of my best friends, and they don't live too far from me. And somebody called uh, and said, uh, hey, uh, across from the VFW, there's a house that's on fire, and there's a ton of fire. Well, There's only two houses over there. It's either my brother and sister-in-law's or my cousin and uh, and, her, and, her, and my best friend. And it uh, turned out it was their house. And so uh, I assure you, uh, I haven't been a member of that volunteer fire department for 30 years or more, uh, that as they they were just lucky to get out of the house I mean it was just a bizarre fire they crawled out underneath the flames it went up that quick and by the way my best friend's a former fire chief so uh, he knew he, unfortunately uh, the irony there and he's standing outside the fire department volunteer men in the fire department are on scene there uh, as they're putting water on this they are surrounded by friends and loved ones and uh, perfect strangers we're all there coming and they're providing them clothing, first of all, because they escaped in their pajamas, and money, and love, and support, and just, I mean, in perfect straight, it was just, it's just what happens in rural America. See, to me, that's a value of rural America, that neighbors help neighbors in need. That's what the nutrition title is. <clears throat> nutrition title is neighbors helping neighbors in need, and we need the right policy to do that, and I think we've, we've come to that policy. We, uh... We've navigated this in a way I'm very appreciative. Of that. I've been through two farm bills. They've both been good experiences. Um, and and this, this farm bill has been very transparent over, uh, uh, over 80 witnesses, uh, close to two dozen hearings over the course of, uh, well, now we're, we're going up one, uh, the four years. And so it's been a great transparent process. And so the provisions that are in there are really designed to be transformational. We the purpose of the nutrition title is not to sustain the cottage industry of the folks who provide it. It's not to sustain. It's not to you know to main you know to sustain the bureaucracy behind food security. <coughs> the purpose of the farm title is to provide food security. To provide a pathway to food security, and so we've done that in some pretty incredible ways. I I think that uh, you know of uh, the. Uh, Uh, 37% of the individuals who find themselves in a situation where they receive, uh, are eligible by income and by asset test uh, to provide, uh, to receive uh, SNAP support, Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program. By the way, it's not food stamps. We haven't had food stamps in a very long time, it's SNAP, and uh, what used to be food stamps. And uh, These are individuals who are between the ages of 18 and 59. Uh, these are folks who are not disabled. These are people who do not have at home uh, individuals uh, that are uh, uh, that are preschool children or individuals with disabilities and need someone to be in a kind of a caregiver, attended role position. So these are work-capable people. And we want them to have uh, food security. So we want them to have uh, SNAP benefits. Uh, But at the same time, if you really want to provide somebody true, long-term, ultimate food security, you need to give them a pathway to opportunity. And the timing of this, I don't think we couldn't have done this in the last Farm Bill, because we were in the middle of tremendous unemployment at that point. And that's the beauty of 2018 right now. I mean, we were not supposed to be, you know, one of my other passions is career in technical education, training. It just kind of... I don't know if you had foresight or just worked out, it's it better sometimes to be lucky than good. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, I have a bill that's pending in the Senate that Senator Alexander two weeks ago told me that they're going to move now. It passed unanimously out of the House and, 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 uh, and off the Education Workforce Committee to reform career and technical education training. And we estimate, when that bill was debated, we said that there were going to be six million job openings by the year 2020. A month ago, we hit six and a half million jobs open. Uh, the peeling away of regulations that we've done, the, uh, uh, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, uh, we are exponentially increasing the number of jobs and there's a skills gap today. So the timing for the Farm Bill is just absolutely perfect. And we're going to create a job training slot. This is not new dollars, we were able to do this within the, within the limitations that we had financially. Uh, that includes case management. Uh, for individuals that fit within that category, like it's 18 to 59, uh, not responsible for a preschool child or, or someone with a disability. And, uh, and it's very creative. We're not creating new bureaucracy either. That's the best part. I, I serve with people I work with. We, we wouldn't stand, we've got enough government to contend with. We, we know that things work more efficiently if we can trim that and we can tighten the belt on government. So we're going to be able to do things as simple as if you're an employer. And you've been struggling and looking for a qualified and trained worker we're going to do supportive employment so somebody who's living in poverty maybe somebody's who been in intergenerational poverty so long that they can't even remember why their family went into poverty to begin with but they show up under this program because they're on snap they have the impetus to either uh, work 20 hours a week be, engage in uh, job training or what i like to call skills-based education for 20 hours a week or quite frankly, if they are in a city, high unemployment area, um, places where they have very challenging, they could do this through volunteer work as well. Now that's not as good, but quite frankly, it works on the soft skills, getting out of bed in the morning, showing up on time, networking, because we know through networking, that's how we find opportunities, and so that is an alternative that's out there as well that doesn't get talked about uh, very much. And so. Uh, But, you know, one of those could be going to, and we're working with existing partners too. Uh, Every state has, uh, in Pennsylvania we call them career links or one-stops, they're a part of the Workforce Investment Act or the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act is what we kind of renamed it with the last reauthorization. Uh, About 20% of what we invest in this actually goes to that existing structure, infrastructure uh, to help people, connect people with jobs. But it could be community college, it could be going to unions. Apprenticeship programs, uh, journeyman programs, or it could go right to the right to the showing up on day one at, a, at, a, at an employer who's desperately looking for somebody who's qualified and trained. We provide uh, some minimal job support, allows them to get on the job training uh, with the goal of once they've shown they've mastered the competencies and the skills, those employers desperately need good employees. We're going to hire, or will continue to employ them. They'll pick up the bill, and once they master the, the, those competencies, we suspect the wages are going to rise because of what they've achieved. We're not talking four-year degrees. We're not talking six-year degrees. We're talking about being qualified and trained. And so that's uh, the other thing that we do that's transformational, and we can't talk enough about this. You know, there are more people living in poverty today than when the Great Society created all the program welfare programs, which is, just shows you that's failed a failed system. And part of it is the institutionalization. I I think that uh, those programs are designed to help people feel um, almost like an anesthetic effect. They feel comfortable living in poverty, which is not the American way. American way is greater opportunity. And so what we do with the Farm Bill is that we, we actually take the first stab at uh, the, uh, the first movement to address these. You know, in this country today, it doesn't matter how uh, how little income you have. If you happen to own a vehicle that's worth more than four thousand six hundred and fifty dollars, you're not eligible for food security support. Hmm. Now, if it's worth four thousand six hundred fifty dollars, you're good. Uh, you I know, you can get it. But if it's four thousand six hundred fifty-one dollars, we 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 pull the rug right out from underneath you. It's called the poverty cliff. We tell we we complain about Americans not saving enough, yet we punish the most vulnerable because we have limitations on how much you can have in assets. Um we changed that. We increase those amounts from the nineteen sixties and we index it to inflation because we want to encourage people to work their way out of poverty. We want to create a glide path to opportunity. And I'm very proud to say that uh, that upward mobility movement, that's kind of how we described it, the first the first effective approach on this is the agriculture committee. Yeah. And so uh, uh, there's just there's a whole lot more beyond <laughs> that within the nutrition title. I hope you'll check it out uh, um, and um, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to be with you this morning.
1: Well, thank you, gentlemen, for sharing your thoughts with us this morning. I have pages of questions here, but I think it's probably only fair to open it up to uh, all of you to see if any of you have questions. Yes.
0: So uh, we'll have to get your... Take on the immigration issue, since that is foundational to getting the farm bill done. Uh, the, the adage of you know when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Uh, they're talking about now a DACA border. Is there a chance, and would it be beneficial to have something on uh, immigration for ag workers as part of this immigration deal that could then free up the farm bill? So the uh, in addition to ag, good ag policy, uh, all of us who. who interact with farmers and ranchers. That's the number one thing. in good workforce. Here at dairyman. you've got to have folks seven days a week. Uh, slaughterhouses have got to have folks uh, all the time. Row crop folks have coming and going. But a proper uh, ag worker program makes a lot of sense. Uh, there is some risk for the folks who hijacked the, uh, the farm bill over immigration. If they are a part of jettison of one piece of the immigration debate, the production agriculture really wants, and that's his worker program that uh, good last guy used to deal that I've been working with and others have been working with. They force that off that bill and they'll get a double black eye for having you know hijacked the deal so i'm hopeful that that those folks see that and that they will be supportive of maintaining that now the other thing about internal enforcement e verify is, is the is one of the mandatory verify be one of the best uh, tools for uh, internal enforcement where well, you can't go there without an ag worker program first that transitions across that spectrum so that when e verify hits these workers uh, these are production guys out there production agriculture folks have their workforce transition into whatever that new program looks at. So, uh, for my mind, even, uh, this is uh, uh, probably the one immigration bill that's going to be the station that's going to get the president's desk anytime soon, and we must have that agriculture program on there. So that would be our, our comments, but uh, production agriculture is desperate for uh, uh, folks who want to work those jobs. Student labor, uh, outside, hard work, uh, Americans have shown throughout this entire spring of unemployment, high unemployment era, that uh, they don't want to do those jobs. So, good working program is essential maintain uh, production agriculture. And uh, there's not a group out there of Americans collectively who pay more attention to what happens on the House and their women in production agriculture. Their livelihoods uh, are linked and expertly linked to ag policy, and so they were watching last Friday when all that happened, so they're gonna, they're not having campus that they're to campus And getting that ag piece as part of the immigration thing would help sue the, put a little salve on it for those folks
2: who should not have voted no uh, yeah. and I just hope our friends who made this requirement, uh, if a vote is what was agreed to late night to be done in June and that fulfills the requirement, I hope they remember that. Or if something passes, I hope they understand that uh, considerations what they agreed to. Sometimes, as I think the leadership will tell you, if you're really pressing hard, there are a few of our friends in the House Conference who are moving targets on what they meant or what they need or what they want, so let's hope that's not the case this time.